Boss Biz Talk is the new motivational podcast brought to you by the PLM Agency with host Beth Hummel, CEO and founder. Inspired to reach out to some of her favorite bosses and share parts of their success stories in a quick and candid real talk interview to motivate you to superhero your life and power through your day. This is Boss Biz Talk. Hi guys, today is 5-19-2020. This is our 10th episode of Boss Biz Talk podcast and our guest today is Peter Cazadoy. He is the CEO of Stradesso. He's a partner of Gem Advertising. He's author, coach, and speaker, and is here today to share his new book, Honest to Greatness, which comes out this August. I actually tried to buy it after I spoke with him, but had to put a pre-order in, so I'm going to have to wait a hot minute. But he's brilliant, he's super smart, and I found myself, after our phone conversation, looking up Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Um, I did add a little bit of goodwill hunting in there because he reminds me of a boy genius. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and definitely go to honesttogreatness.com and check out Peter and he has a quiz there and learn more about his book. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Peter. Hi, Peter. It's Beth from Boss Biz Talk Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. So reading about you this morning, I realized I now know why you're, you've launched your book. You have so much to say, so amazing <laughs> things to say. Thank you. you have a lot on your plate. You're the CEO of Stradesso, which is a, a new tech firm, one of the founders for the Gem Advertising. And now you're That's launching right. a book this August called Honest to Greatness. You got it. Well, I'm going to add it to my collection. Tell us about, tell us about this book. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Well, I'll try to give you the short story because it's really the culmination of almost 14 years now of being in the business world. Um, you know, I started my first company with my business partner in 2008, right out of the recession because, you know, we had good timing like that. Right. And uh, over the course of the years, we transformed a video production company into a full service marketing agency. And we ended up working with everyone from uh, local car dealers all the way up to Warren Buffett himself and ended up in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for a couple of years in a row. Wow. And in doing so, you know, I got a really interesting behind the scenes look at how companies function, you know, large and small and all in 30 different industries. And I was always fascinated with how some clients would take our growth strategies and use them to innovate and dominate and just like take off. I mean, we'd perform wonderfully for them, get a five, 600% return on their investment. Whereas other organizations would hire us to, you know, provide recommendations, guidance, marketing consultants, and uh, we'd do it. And they would just sort of blow up on the launch pad. I mean, they couldn't get out of their own way. They got stuck in politics and, you know, well, this is the way we've always done it. And, and I became so interested in this concept and, and wondering to myself, you know, how is it that these well-meaning executives in these boardrooms just get stuck Mm -hmm. And uh, in the early part of my career, I chalked it up to uh, stupidity, which, of course, was a <laughs> stupid thing for me to think because no executive gets to the point where they get to by being a moron. Right. Um, so to the contrary, you know, once I dug in and started doing other research about companies that had achieved industry dominating growth, I realized that it's actually much deeper than that. It is a uh, it, it is really at the heart of it, an issue of honesty and how honest 
uh, key executives were willing to be with what's going on in the world, what's going on uh, with their peers and customers and suppliers and vendors. And finally, you know, what's going on with themselves, with their own biases and ego and all these other blockers to success. So once I, I saw that, um, I, I just said, you know, th- this is this is what the book's about. You know, originally it was a marketing book. I never set out to write a book about honesty. I don't even consider myself to be an honest person. Oh my um, gosh. But, you know, once I saw it, I, I couldn't kind of unsee it. And so this has now become my, you know, my one word mission against, uh, you know, for, for the sake of the world here. Well, now that you have are enthralled in this honesty is the best policy type motto and you're writing this book, are you using more of the honesty in your life? <laughs> oh, certainly all over the place. I mean, I can't not, right? Uh, right. You know, the worst thing I can do is, uh, you know, be a hypocrite. Well, so yeah, I mean, I talk about it often, but you know, it, it really, I, I spend a good portion of the start of the book helping people understand what honesty even means, because what it doesn't mean is just being completely candid all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can, I don't know if you have kids or not, but any parent will tell you that telling your kids the entire truth 100% of the time is probably a bad idea. Right. And one of the CEOs in my book makes a good point, which is that if you're flying in an airplane and the pilots come on the intercom and they say, uh, you know, I've never seen storm clouds like that uh, before. And uh, so you may want to put your seatbelt on. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Is that honest? Yes, but it's probably not helpful, right? (laughs) So, you know, honesty, I stratify into three different levels. The first, uh, Beth, is, is getting honest about the community. You know, what's going on in the world? And, of course, you and I are talking right in the middle of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So we really need to get honest, first and foremost, about how you know, society is changing and acting and reacting. Um, what are, how are their core beliefs and norms shifting? Um, and I tell a great story. One of the first stories I tell in the book is about Blockbuster and Netflix and how Blockbuster really failed to get honest about how uh, media consumption habits – were changing. Yeah, you know, people's preferences were shifting, and um, and they really missed the boat because of it. You know, I think so we dead. all know now Netflix is worth you know multiple times what Blockbuster was, and Blockbuster uh, you know is no longer. And do you think and that the they? Second, that's such a ahead. great point, Peter. But do you think they knew that, or they were just hiding their you know their head in the sand like an ostrich? Do you believe that they had the the information to tell them that where we were going more on a digital basis like that? Oh, it it gets worse. Um, Let's dive into the story a little bit. So we all know, you know, that Blockbuster went under and we all know that Netflix ate its lunch. But what few people realize is that Blockbuster had years and years and multiple opportunities to either buy Netflix or transform its own model. In fact, Blockbuster launched, it was late to the game, but it did launch Total Access, which was their own streaming program. Oh, wow. That program had millions of subscribers. And at that point, Carl Icahn, uh, an activist investor that everyone uh, has you know, really high praise for, came into Blockbuster and said, you know what, this total access thing, we got to get rid of that. We need to go back to the business model that's worked for decades. And he shut that program down. He installed a new CEO. And we all know what happened next. So there were multiple opportunities for that company to get itself together. So that's why you have to look at it and say, you know, at some point in some facet of the boardroom, someone was lying to themselves about what was really going on. Right. Do you remember doing this interview in April 2019 with Dot Com Magazine? Was this before you thought of starting the book or had you already been thinking about the book? You were so, so about... The books, 
like the strength of an entrepreneur and, you know, the honesty and being able to uh, inspire others and think about other people. And I, when I started reading that, I'm like, I just love this guy's, you know, mentality and take on things because it's true. You have to be about other people and you have to be honest and you have to want to help others, I think, to get you far in life. And you kind of put totally. that into your interview. Is that something that triggered the book or were you working on that back then? So this has been a, an arduous four-year uh, exploration. And so you know, it started in 2016 when I turned 30 years old and I had a complete quarter-life crisis about <laughs> which way I had you know, taken my life. And you know, at the time, if you had looked at what I had achieved, I mean, I had a multi-million dollar company, we had, company, uh, we had offices all over the U.S., in Canada, and um, yeah, I had great relationships. I had just gotten married. We were flipping a, a house together, me and my wife. I mean, for all intents and purposes, my life looked fine. Mm-hmm. But you know, somewhere deep down inside, you know, talk about self honesty. I just realized that there was a lot more that I had to go out there and achieve. And so I just started, you know, basically kicked my ass into gear. And one of the big things on my list was to be an author. I always loved writing. And, um, and that's when, you know, as I said earlier, I set out to write a book about marketing because I saw how so many companies were missing the boat, particularly with, with young people, mm-hmm. um, who I think, you know, this is a working theory. I have no evidence to back it up, but I, I get the impression that young people having grown up in the environment that we did with the internet and all that's, you know, fake news and, and corporate scandals and Netflix documentaries about you know, Wells Fargo and Volkswagen and everything else, our BS detectors are just a, probably a little bit stronger. Um, now I would argue that everyone's BS detector has, you know, really strengthened because of <laughs> the, the news that we're watching the last two months. Dishonesty has permeated our society. The Boss Biz Talk podcast at bossbiztalk.com. Brought to you by the PLM Agency. Learn more at the PLMAgency.com. You know, one of the big questions we have to ask ourselves is, what is honesty good for? And you know, for me, the answer is honesty is only as good as the trust that it produces. So when we have situations where folks are putting forward facts that they know that that aren't true or that are proven to be untrue, every time that happens, our trust is eroded a little bit more. And the danger of that is, as we can see from the pandemic, it gets harder to ask a group of people to take a certain action because those folks will take a look at the leader or leaders, you know, and this is public sector, private sector, whatever, and say, you know what, um, you know, fool me once, shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me. So I, I don't Absolutely. think I'm going to comply with what you're saying. And you can imagine a pandemic in the future that's that's much more dangerous than this. I and mean, we've had viruses that are more contagious. We've had viruses that are more deadly. Mm-hmm. In a scenario where where this is the one, you know, the virus that's going to wipe out half of humanity, right. what are the odds that people are going to trust and, and listen, you know? Right now, I would say the odds are pretty low, and and hopefully we can gain some of that trust back. I agree with you. It's like the little boy that cried wolf, for sure. Our media has just had a heyday. I dig the honesty factor, and I feel like, for me, that's how I, you know, have lived my life, and then also the business, and now the podcast, but... You know, I always say it's real talk. We just jump on a combo and, and, and start inspiring each other and motivating each other to do more and better. And you are definitely doing that. Don't you feel that honesty, that word, and you said there's so much to it, but it, it's more direct um, and it's more in the effort of getting things done quicker and to the point. I mean, if we're honest, we're not going to have fluff or BS and we're going to make things happen quicker and get more done, like more results well, driven. 
That's exactly right. I mean, and I want to be very clear. Like, I did not write an ethics book. I understand. Honesty as a core value, quite Mm -hmm. frankly, like that sounds good and all, but I'm a businessman. I'm all about profits. I love money. You love money. Everybody loves money. Warren, how would you define true success? Well, I've I've said many times that, that, that if you get to be 65 or 70, and later, and, and the people that you want to have love you actually do love you, you're a success. This is a book about achieving incredible industry-dominating business success and successful outcomes. And to your point, it's exactly as you said. When you remove bullshit from mm-hmm. conversations and from thoughts and ideas and feelings and beliefs, what you get to is a set of protocols that if you follow them, you will actually achieve the end result. Because really, honesty is an act of attrition. It's about removing bias, removing ego, removing politics, all those things that naturally block wonderful ideas that are already existing in the minds of customers, prospective customers, and quite frankly, employees. So your book that you're launching, it's going to be in August. Can you get it out any quicker so we all can be smarter before August? (laughs) I'll tell you what. Um... You can go to honesttogreatness.com and take my 21-question honesty quiz, which will tell you which honesty type you are. So if you're honest enough with yourself that you want to see those results, you may just uh, learn something about your leadership style. Bring it on, honesttogreatness.com. Yep, oh, I got it. I'm doing that after we get off the phone. <laughs> I always love to learn about myself, Peter. Of course. Make sure you po- post your results and tag me, and then I'll make sure to share them. I will. You tell me how good I am first before I start sharing and tagging and we'll go from there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what are you, what do you do? Are you in Boston? Your number is a 617. So I grew up in Boston. I'm a Boston boy. I went to uh, Milton Academy and then Brandeis University and then met my amazing wife who lives uh, here in Connecticut. So now I'm in Southern Connecticut on the Long Island Sound. Which is beautiful. Stunning. You know, I, I love it here. It's, you know, it doesn't have palm trees, so I think I need to move myself further south, but we'll, we've got time to get to that. Well, there's not palm trees in Boston. No, there are not. Yeah. And so, I, you know, in a way, I've always wanted to move like towards warmer weather. So I, I went south, just not, you know, far enough. Right. Well, plant one, see if it grows out there in the Connecticut soil. I mean, they have. Actually, a neighbor two doors down plants palm trees every summer. Oh, well, you've got to get on that. I mean, <laughs> just make it. Like, I have a botanical garden. I think I'm in Hawaii sometime. And I'm in the hot Arizona, so. We're on the sound here on the beach, so it, it doesn't, yeah, it, it's not terrible. Um, and certainly, my big, fat, fluffy dog is very happy that we're all, all the time. <laughs> That's and, uh, the thing. The kids and the dogs, I think, are going to go into withdrawals when this all, you know, ends and everyone has to go back to a real work world. I mean, just, yep. The dogs would be like, they don't love me anymore. Yep, so, exactly. Um, and I know that you're busy, and I, I can't believe I, I, I gave you a quick call this morning, and within those two seconds, I found out that I am your 46th interview this week, and I don't feel so special anymore. But <laughs> I do appreciate that you're like, we saved the best for last. So hopefully we'll have some fun. Now, obviously, I'm buying your book. When can we buy the book? Not until August. And where, where can no, we buy can, it? Let's talk about that. You can me. buy it now. Yeah, you oh, can you buy can. it now on Amazon or anywhere books are sold. In fact, that really helps me to have uh, pre-orders because okay. it tells the world that, uh, hey, this is a book worth buying. Awesome. So we can go on Amazon and look up Honest to Greatness by Peter Kazadoy and buy it and get it shipped to our house. But on this Boss Biz Talk podcast, we always bring on people that are just inspiring to others, definitely that entrepreneurship mentality and lifestyle. One of the questions everyone wants me to ask, 
Do you have a book on your nightstand at this moment? And what is it? And why did you pick that one to read at this moment in your life? Well, I'll talk about one of my favorites, which I reread this year, which is The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I think that should be required reading for every entrepreneur. Obstacle is the way. Okay, tell me why you say that. It's, he does a wonderful job of capturing an ancient philosophy called Stoicism that was very popular in the Roman Empire. And it's the idea that we must, as entrepreneurs, consistently have the outlook that the obstacle in front of us is probably the exact way forward in disguise. I think so often people confront their obstacles with fear and trepidation and des- even desperation. Um, and, you know, I coach a lot of entrepreneurs, so times can get tough and times can get desperate. Um, but, you know, it, what I've found in my own life, to be quite honest with you, is that the things that I struggled with the most, if I leaned into them, actually became the most incredible door openers for me. Can you enlighten me on maybe one example? Well, gosh, I mean, let's just talk about the my my quarter life crisis, right? Yeah, at thirty, so, which is crazy. Yeah, so like you know, and and by the way, you know, for those of you who've done the math, that does mean I'm going to live to 120. <laughs> that was a terrible sort of thing to wake up and feel like I I turned 30 and I haven't done enough with my life. And the there were months and months, if not years, of pain thereafter that I endured, but. That pain brought me to this conversation with you. It brought me to writing a book that Barbara Corcoran has endorsed. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all kinds of wonderful things that came out of it. And the worst thing I could have done was be afraid of that and back away. And instead, I I decided to do something about it, to take action about it. Right. A guy like you who's in 50 years, you're going to start doing some thinking on your own. And you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 grand on a fucking education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> yeah, but I will have a degree, and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-through on our way to a skiing trip. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal. My boy's wicked smart. So obviously, you're a brilliant man. I mean, I can tell that you've got your mind is always going. Um, <laughs> does it ever stop? Does it ever, does no, your mind ever stop? No. I know, mine doesn't either. It you know me what, margaritas help. Margarita's <laughs> I know, help. margaritas and wine, boy, those are lifesavers. Yep. So it. you guys are both at home, you have a beautiful view of the ocean, you're a mad scientist right now with all your endeavors and your wife. What do you, what do you guys do to um, release that built up uh, work mind tension? You guys, you guys have a, what do you do for fun? I, I try to walk in nature as much as possible. Um, I think we don't do a good enough job, you know, having kind of become a city life civilization of going back to our roots, getting out on the water, getting out in the woods. I just find those kinds of activities so therapeutic. And um, luckily, I have some marshes around my house. So I I get to take the pooch for a walk. And um, that, that is so it's so cathartic for me. And isn't that great that through this whole pandemic, they couldn't take that away? No matter what, I, and you can get trust outside. Me, don't get me lot. started. I could not believe, like, let's close parks where people can be socially distanced outside in nature and in you know great fresh air. It made absolutely no sense. No sense. And the beaches, I get if people are getting crazy, but put a cone six feet away or something for a weekend and get people to understand. You know, the social distancing. Don't take the beach away. I think so. Totally. 
Um, what do you feel? About, how do you feel about that? I don't get out too much off on a tangent on this, but do you feel like we're coming to a close? I mean, obviously, I think we've been hit the hardest, but flattening the curve, well, do you feel like we have and it's going to continue moving positively? You know, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm a communicator. Mm -hmm. So what I'll tell you from a communications and leadership standpoint is whether we're flattening the curve or not, it's going to be incredibly difficult to tell folks who have just sheltered in place for two months that we need to do it again. I honestly don't think everyone would comply. And right. when I say everyone, I think I don't think a majority of people would would comply, um, especially when we have. You know, I just read a report about Sweden and the fact that they didn't close anything, and their numbers really aren't that different from the countries who did decide to close. And that's you know the double-edged sword of the internet and information transparency. Mm -hmm. When people get to see things like that. I think they're going to be resistant to going back to this, you know, shelter in place, closed economy kind of world. So I agree it may that. not matter. I know. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. So have you always been an old soul? Here? Yes. Always. I was the kid at Thanksgiving who never wanted to sit at the kid's table. I would fight my way to sit at the adult's table. I am 30 in this five-year-old's body. What are you talking about? I'm already halfway <laughs> Let's wrap, start wrapping this up for you. I know that you're busy. What is your advice to anyone listening that wants to be um, not as much fear and move forward like you're saying and has that entrepreneur um, focus but maybe has hit maybe a, a, a rough spot like you did when you turned 30? What advice would you give it, those guys? It's very difficult to fight what's true. You know, even though I wrote a book about profitability, I, I spend a, a chapter or two on the entrepreneurial journey. Every one of you out there knows exactly who you truly are, who you really are, the life that you really want to live. And when we fight that, when we fight what's true, it's always going to lead to friction. And maybe that friction comes out in anxiety or fear or lashing out at other people who love you. Or, you know, there are always manifestations and consequences that occur when someone's living out of honest alignment with who they are and what they want. So my message is you can fight those things all you want, but recognize that it is going to be a fight to live a life that doesn't align with who you are and what you want. So in that case, you almost maybe want to look at this as even though it would be challenging to live the life that I want, is that really more challenging than ignoring who you really are? I'm not sure. I think you should always follow your dreams and who you feel you are. But just do you think some people may have a hard time zoning in to that? Do you have a bit of advice for people that need to zone into themselves? Because some people can't do that. Yeah, it's true. And, and I encounter I counter a lot of folks who are like, yeah, I really don't know what I want. Right. And in that case, there's a great quote. I don't know if you're a fan of the show Billions on Showtime. I don't watch a lot but of TV, I, but I'll start looking up everything you say, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a great show, and there's this, this scene where um, the, the mentor, his name is Bobby, uh, is talking to his protege, and the protege is deciding you know, which of two things to do, and he, he gives her some advice. And so she says, so what, what you're saying is I should do you know, option B? And he looks at her and he says, no, what I'm saying is you should do it all. And so a lot of times I think we get wrapped up in like, I don't know what I want. And in that case, just start trying stuff. I mean, I didn't, out of my quarter life crisis, I, I wasn't 
these are the top three things that I know I want to achieve in the next three years. Like it wasn't like that. It was like, I know I'm not doing enough. I don't know what enough looks like. So I'm just going to start talking to everybody I can, learning as much as I can, uh, writing, going on interviews. Uh, maybe I'll write a book. What does that look like? I don't know how to do any of that. You know, and through that process of, of learning and, and enlightenment, which is my highest core value, enlightenment, you find a path. It's right. the folks that never look that never find. That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I'm going to um, go buy your book right now on Amazon. Where else can we find it? You are so sweet. Yeah, anywhere books are sold. Any your favorite local bookstore, call them, demand they, they order a bunch of copies. <laughs> we will. Um, that would be amazing. Honest to greatness. And Peter, where can we send people to learn more about you? Just honesttogreatness.com. You'll end up on my site. Take the honesty quiz. See what you think. I have, for anyone who's interested in writing their book, I have a free Facebook group that I'm literally every week doing videos on uh, how to find your big idea, how to write a book proposal, how to get an agent, how to get a publisher, how to market, uh, how the bestseller lists work. I mean, I'm just sharing it all for free. So by all means, come join me there. If you go to Facebook and type in write and launch a book in 2020 uh, and put in my name, you will find it. That's so inspiring. Congratulations on everything you're doing. And, and are you planning on writing another book? I would love to write a second book. But the thing about books is they're binary. If the first one doesn't go well, no one in the in the next 40 years is going to want to this <laughs> bring is going to go write a second this book. is going to and go if well it goes really well then i'll have a ton, tons of offers like it's really you know it's, it'll be supply and demand for sure i think everyone's going to want to get your book especially in this time and day so thank you so much peter for coming on and i also love the fact that you once in one of your interviews said that you're a serial entrepreneur and i think you are that's it well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for it. your time. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. This is Boss Biz Talk, brought to you by the PLM Agency. To learn more on who they are, go to theplmagency.com.